art is about creating, right? It's about seeing things differently. And kind of, as I mentioned, I don't think if, if all, all you learn are the technical aspects of a topic, that doesn't allow you to create something new. Welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. On this show, we're talking to Dr. Anne-Marie Thomas, Director of the Playful Learning Lab at the University of St. Thomas, which is in St. Paul, Minnesota, USA. And we're talking about how she invented squishy circuits, conductive or insulating dough that can be used for first experiments with electrical circuits in the classroom or at home. I'd like to hear back from you. So please head over to kidslab.dev and leave some comments. Also, feel free to use the hashtag kidslabpodcast on Twitter. And if you don't want to miss a future episode, please don't forget to subscribe now. All right, so this is our very first episode. And later on, we're going to chat with Dr. Anne-Marie Thomas, Anne-Marie is the founder of the, and the director of the Playful Learning Lab, which explores ways to encourage children of all ages to embrace playful learning. She's written a book that's called Making Makers. Of course, you'll have a link in the show notes. And, it's also, and she's also a frequent speaker about all things creativity, playing, and how this affects innovation. So I first heard about her via a TED Talk about squishy circuits. And that talk really caught my attention. Squishy Circuits is all about making dough that can be conductive or insulating. It's like Play-Doh, but the dough either conducts electricity or not. And using these two types of dough and a couple of food colors, you can create very squishy experiments for younger children. You add a few batteries, a few LEDs, buzzers or motors, and you're ready for a workshop at home or in the classroom. So while Squishy Circuits is now also a business and an online shop where you can order ready-to-use kits, you can still very easily just create these doughs yourself. For example, if you need more or if you want to make dough or the dough-making experience part of a classroom activity. Welcome, Dr. Anne-Marie Thomas. She's very famous for Squishy Circuits, and she's the founder and director of the Playful Learning Lab at the University of St. Thomas. Hi, Anne-Marie. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me, Sven. So, Anne-Marie, um, in the intro, uh, we heard a bit about Squishy Circuits already, so we have a basic understanding, but please, uh, we need to know all about it. So, how did it start? How did you begin experimenting with conductive dough? What's the, what's the history here? Sure. So... You know, about 10 or so years ago, I had two young daughters and I was an engineering professor and it was about the time that the maker movement was really taking off. And I was so impressed by people that were doing things like painting with uh, conductive, conductive paint that allowed them to paint circuitry uh, or sewing circuitry. And I figured there had to be some way we could do something that little kids could create artistic circuits that didn't require the precision that sewing or the painting would require. Um, and at the time I had one daughter who was about 18 months old, a little younger, kind of a toddler. 
And I wanted something she could do. Uh, so looking at the things that were already known as conductive, uh, like I mentioned, like paint or fabric, it seemed that there had to be a way to make Play-Doh um, that or sculptable circuits. And I had a first year undergraduate student who was willing to help me on the project. And we spent a summer making lots and lots of different Play-Doh recipes, trying to find ones that would work best for the different circuit components. Wow, amazing. So can you can you outline just very quickly or if you, if you want also longer, actually. So there's conductive dough that's uh, basically, um, well, electrons flow through it and there's insulating dough. Um, how long does it take to, to make these and what are the, the main differences between those? Sure. So the most the simplest circuit that most of us are ever taught to build starts with a battery and then you have a light and you have some wires in between. And you typically also put a resistor, which is something that'll reduce the flow of current uh, through the circuit so you don't overpower the LED. So we figured we could use the battery packs and we could use the light, but we needed something that would replace the wires, something that would allow electricity to flow through it. And it turns out that salt water is a very, very good conductor. And it also turns out that most of the common um, dough or clay recipes that people make at home um, for playing with have a lot of salt in them. So we we started mixing different Play-Doh recipes and seeing how resistive or how much resistance they had to electrical flow through them. So we'd go down to a, an electrical engineering lab and actually lay out this, this, these different types of sculpting dough and put run circuits, run current through them and then measure using different equipment, measure how much voltage we could read across them and really optimized how a recipe that would let us create this sculptable dough that allowed enough electricity through it so that that could replace the wires in a circuit um, and in the simple light emitting diode circuit. And sort of the fun thing is if you build this on a circuit board, you also have to use a resistor, um, like I said, to kind of reduce the amount of current flowing through it. But since the Play-Doh was not a perfect wire, um, it turns out that we could get rid of the LED, we could get rid of the resistors and using the, the dough in the place of the wire and the resistor was sufficient. Uh, and so then that was exciting and we had lights lighting up or motors spinning, but you would cause a sort circuit anytime that the Play-Doh touched um, in places it shouldn't. And that was kind of annoying. And actually we, that first summer we did a lot of workshops with kids and we usually brought um, a, a plastic wrap with us so that they could put plastic in between their little rolls of Play-Doh to make sure they didn't touch so that the current went through the light instead of short circuiting and just jumping from Play-Doh to Play-Doh. But that was really unsatisfying from an artistic standpoint. So the student, Sam Johnson, uh, who was working on this, said there's got to be a way that we can also make a sculptable dough that is, doesn't let electricity through or doesn't let a lot of electricity through. And so he went through his recipes for, for the conductive dough and knew that the salt water was the problem. So he created a second recipe that instead of salt, used sugar. And instead of just tap water, used a distilled or deionized water. So it turned out then that this new dough worked very much like a like a um, <clears throat> insulator. And by using that in combination with the conductive dough, he, Sam, and kids that he was working with could create much more exciting circuits. Wow, that's amazing. The difference is really salt and sugar. Salt and sugar. And then actually a really important part is what kind of water you use. Um, because it, we always think of water as conductive, but what's really conductive about water is the stuff in the water. It's not the H2O. So if you look at your tap water, it's got a lot of other things in it, minerals and such. And that's what's really great about conducting. And if you add lots of salt, it makes it even more conductive. On the other hand, if you get like a distilled or deionized water, um, like you get at a pharmacy or sometimes for like your battery at, at a car uh, repair shop, that, it, that, that 
that distilled or deionized water does not let a lot of electricity through it. Uh, so that's where that was sort of the, the magic to it. So you must have done so many workshops. I just was just wondering, what is the, I mean, you, you mentioned the basic circuit, which was uh, basically lighting up an LED, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, what have been some of the crazier things that some students or even the kids came up with? You know, lots of little characters and people. Um, I've had some art teachers who use it in their art classes and have the kids sculpt creations based on like a book they're reading. We had some researchers in the UK actually who had kids build out of out of the conductive dough build models of neurons because they were talking about neuroscience and they wanted to show how like electricity flows through the neurons in your body. Um, you know, I think that the neat thing about it is anything you can sculpt with Play-Doh, you can turn into a circuit. Very cool. So by now, I think Squishy Circuits is even a business, right? So um, how did that happen? Sure. So I completely, honestly, we started this so I could have something to play with with my children. And I was <laughs> never, never meant to be a company and never meant to be. It was always open source in the beginning. We've always published the recipes. We've always shared, answered our emails and shared any advice that we had with people that wrote to us. Um, but one of my students, uh, Matthew Schmidtbauer, a little bit younger than the student who created this, His mother was a teacher and she made the point that she really wouldn't want to have to like put together the battery packs herself and ideally not even make the dough. Wouldn't it be cool if you could buy doughs that worked? And Matt asked if we could start a company and I was way too busy for that. So actually the university agreed to let the students uh, take the intellectual property and the trademark uh, for the project. And so now one of the alumni from the Playful Learning Lab, uh, Matt Schnittbauer, runs Squishy Circuits. Uh, so if you go to squishycircuits.com, that is a store and you can buy all of the materials. You can actually buy um, conductive or insulating dough. You can buy different elements for your circuits. But true to the nature of us wanting this to always be something that anybody can do, he also freely provides all the recipes for the dough um, mm -hmm. and teaching guides for teachers. So if you want to make it yourself, it's still completely possible. Or if you would rather rather buy the parts, Matt makes that easy as well. It's cool. And we will, of course, have a link to the, to the recipes in the show notes. So if uh, anybody's interested, just go to kidslab.dev and find the first episode of the Kids Lab podcast. <laughs> so um, what tips would you have for educators or, or even parents if they want to prepare their own workshop using conductive dough? So are there certain things that you would recommend to rather not do or to do specifically? Well, parents, if you're like me, I probably wouldn't start with the buzzers because they get really annoying and loud, but the kids <laughs> love them. Um, and it's actually sort of fun because some of the buzzers that you can use um, vibrate. So my research students and I work a lot with deaf children um, who, who can't hear very well. And so we, we use those buzzers and they can actually feel them vibrate. But I personally find them really, the loud buzzing annoying. So my daughters don't get to play with the buzzers much. That's my, that's my personal advice. Now, my advice for running a, a starting workshop is often um, when you make your dough, people ask us what the color means. And the color doesn't mean anything. Um, when we first started Squishy Circuits and we're showing videos online, we always did purple for conductive and white for insulating. And it was funny to see that workshops all around the world started using those colors, thinking maybe that was magic, I guess. Um, it turns out that the reason we did those colors, so those are the university that I teach at, school colors. Uh, had nothing mm -hmm. to do with whether it was conductive or insulating. It was just the colors that we liked and were proud of. So it's up to you what colors you use. Um, typically, we, in my lab, when we do workshops, we just leave the insulating dough, the dough that doesn't let electricity through it, we leave it white so it's distinguishable, and then make lots of different colors of conductive dough. With really little kids, though, in the U.S., um, 
oh, I think it's, it's the same in many places, are, are traffic lights, green for go and red for stop. So I know a lot of preschools that have made green conductive dough and red insulating dough to remind the kids which one stop current and which let current go. So how do you normally colorize the doughs then? Use some food coloring? We just or use food dye. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, perfect. Yep. And I will say, so it I'm turns out that many, com if you want to do this workshop simply, many commercial uh, play doughs that you can buy at like toy stores They're all typically made with a lot of salt. So we found a lot of commercial doughs will also, will also work uh, for allowing electricity through them. But it's kind of fun to make your own. And just to repeat, if we, if we stick to the recipe um, that, that we'll link to in the show notes, so that's basically a, a really non-toxic Uh, recipe for dough so if, if if someone would basically try to eat that a child or so then nothing bad would happen right so absolutely that was always the goal i was building this for my own kids so all the recipes that we used are non-toxic and they're all things you can buy well here in the u.s they're all things i can buy in my grocery store um one note I'll, uh, one note that i we have found is sometimes some of the ingredients are a little harder to find in other countries so i think matt has some alternate ingredients if you can't find for example cream of tartar um, and also we found that some parents don't like to use flour, which is a very common ingredient, um, almost essential to homemade sculpting doughs, um, if their children are allergic to gluten, which is fairly common here in the U.S. And so in that case, we found that, and I think Matt has a note on the website, different uh, gluten-free flours that will allow you to still make a, a squishy circuit. Cool. So um, I very much like the tactile experience of, of working with dough. And uh, that was also one of the main reasons why I decided to do this at, at our school once in Germany. And um, I, I know that a lot of parents these days actually have this problem that their kids spend way too much time in front of the screen versus playing outside. So I wanted to ask an expert, really, that I have on the line now, basically, what are the benefits of engaging children in, in a tactile experience? Well, you know, I think we, particularly from a very young age, we learn by sensing the world around us, by smelling it, by licking it, by touching it, by listening to it. And a tactile experience really lets kids use all their senses when they're learning. Um, now, it's interesting that you mentioned the screens. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against screens, but I actually think what we see a lot of times with children, particularly young children on um, screen-based It's not the screen itself. It's that they're doing very passive things, right? There are some really amazing creative things you can do on a, on a tablet or a computer. But if you're using them more like a video watching device, then the, we're not letting the kids create things. So I, I personally prefer to do unplugged activities with little kids and having them make stuff and run around outside. But I would say if, if you really do want to be on a, on a device or on a screen, Uh, as a parent, one thing to consider is, are they being active on that or are they being passive? And maybe push them a little more towards active screen time where they're doing art or they're writing code or they're creating, you know, creating an animation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. So in your director or in your role as a director of the Playful Learning Lab, um, can you give us a couple of examples what what your students are working on these days? Sure. So I am so lucky. I have about... 35 now students who work for me and they're all quite young. They're, they're um, undergraduate university students here. So they typically are between around 18 and 22 years old. And they come from about 15 different majors, right? Ranging from engineering to education, to communication and journalism, to accounting, to graphic design. Um, and they all work together on these projects that, that we say follow the intersection of Uh, K-12, education, art, and technology. So we typically want to look for unusual combinations of things. And so some of our big projects right now is there is a, an American rock band named OK Go. 
Um, and they're known for yeah, their that, whimsical yeah. music videos. Yeah. So OK Go has done music videos in microgravity and long chain reaction machines. So the Playful Learning Lab and OK Go are actually partners and have been for three years on a project called OK Go Sandbox. Um, and OK Go Sandbox is the band's site for kids and teachers. And it has a whole bunch of new videos and hands-on activities that kids can do based on their music videos. Um, so that has been a particularly exciting partnership for us because we've gotten to build equipment and create science experiments and art experiments um, and work with a rock band on that. Um, so I'd encourage you, that's, that's, that's a pretty, pretty exciting one right now. Another project is I'm an aerialist. So I study, my daughters and I study circus arts, particularly flying trapeze. And if you look at flying trapeze, that is basically a physics lab, right? We're looking at swinging pendulums. So a bunch of my students are working with circus artists to create sensor, sensorized costumes that both respond to what they're doing um, as, they, as they perform, maybe changing the lights or the colors, but also which allow us to take biological data on them and look at like the positions that they're in when they do different acts on, this, on the trapeze. Um, And wow, that sounds and super creative, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, um, I, I, I bet our listeners would love to hear more about that. So we'll, we'll definitely try to put some links into the show notes. Um, one, one other thing I wanted to quickly, um, talk to you about is this word play seems to be really important for you. So you talk about playing with creativity, playing with data, playing for data, actually. I'm wondering what the difference is and so on. And so so play seems to be very important, obviously, and you're the founder and the, the director of the Playful Learning Lab, of course. So how um, how important is play, though, for adults? That's what I wanted to ask you. And is it okay to play as an adult? Oh, my gosh. I think you have to play as an adult, right? The whole point <laughs> of play, right, is to explore. We're often very focused as adults on outcomes and what we're creating. But play is about process. Play is about what you're doing in the moment. And, you know, you can have a phenomenal, play, playful day where you don't really have anything physical to show for it at the end, but you've allowed yourself to go down these paths of curiosity. Um, and play is where these unexpected things happen, We always talk in our lab, we talk about how do you add more whimsy and joy and surprise to whatever it is that you're doing in your daily life. And we find that that helps us make things more playful. When we talk, when we talk to innovators in a variety of fields, be it business or be it education or be it the arts, you often find that these, these successful adults take the time to do things that are playful, right? Be it, be it art, be it music, be it playing games with other adults or children um, and taking time to really just enjoy the world around them. Because as an, primarily as an engineer, I always tell my students that even if they memorize every physics and math equation in the book, that doesn't create the next new product. That doesn't create the next new breakthrough in human health because it's like a, being a storyteller. You can learn grammar and you can learn vocabulary, but that doesn't give you a story. You need life experience for that. And so as an engineer, all the experiences and joyful and playful experiences you have are things that you can then bring to combine with your skills in math or engineering, or if you're a writer with your vocabulary and grammar to create these new things. So play is most assuredly not just for children. Um, it is something that is essential to all of us of any age. Cool. So never stop playing. And never. of course, always never, also never stop learning, probably, right? So learning yes. and playing together. Yeah, exactly. I would have one bonus question. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I enjoyed it so much, actually. So this, this podcast, um, it's, it's, I'm um, actually the tagline is, um, uh, 
it's 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 basically about steam education right so and i decided on using steam because i felt um the stem is missing the a which is for arts and i just wanted to stress the importance that the artistic elements are so important um so what what is your take on that because i i read online there's lots of discussion actually some people are awful um they, they don't really like that basically having talking talking about steam at all because they think it should be stem no it should be steam <laughs> What, what's what's your point on that? I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter at all, right? But it's a it's a naming condition here. So what's funny here in the US, we have so many different acronyms, and people add other things in. Maybe it's Scream, and you added computers, or it's eSTEM because you added environment. You know, at the end of the day, it's really about holistic education. It's about being able to combine all of the things you're learning, and art is about creating. Right, it's about seeing things differently. And kind of as I mentioned, I don't think if, if all, all you learn are the technical aspects of a topic. That doesn't allow you to create something new. It's that artistic, it's that design element that lets you take, again, if you're a writer, the grammar and the words you know and turn them into a story. If you're an engineer, the math and physics you know and turn them into a new device. That has to come from a place of joy and play and art and really that design element. So I think it's, I think it's, it's impossible or very sad at the least to try to teach STEM without incorporating this artistic element. So it also means most people do act that actually do STEM education, they would probably automatically include some art element, right? Because as you said, it's impossible. Um, Emery, this was brilliant. Um, thank you so much. Um, all my questions got answered. And I guess if people would like to hear more about you, there's lots of videos online. There will, of course, have tons of links in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for being on this first episode. Thank you so much for having me, Sven. Alright, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, so now is really the time to head over to kidslab.dev, check our show notes with all the links of this episode, and of course, don't forget to subscribe now. I really want to hear back from you, so if you would like to leave some comments, please just head over to kidslab.dev, and if you're more on Twitter, then just use the hashtag kidslabpodcast. In the next episode, we are talking to Azaf Kim. He's the founder of 3.14, a startup in South Korea that created the cute little Camibot, an educational robot for kids. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>